0: Welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now, where we cover how the environment, our society, and corporate governance affects and is affected by our economy. I'm your host, Mike DiCibato, and this week we are going to discuss the devastation being wrought by the coronavirus, and then I ask Olga Emilianova, one of our heads of ESG research, what it means, in her opinion, for a company to be green. Thanks as always for joining us. Stay tuned. The coronavirus, an outbreak of respiratory illness caused by a novel coronavirus, first identified in Wuhan. Hubei Province, China, now has more than 60,300 cases and it has killed at least 1,369 people. Both the World Health Organization and the United States have declared a public health emergency and both have offered China technical assistance and expertise to investigate and contain the outbreak, but much is still unknown about the virus as it continues to spread as a stressful stack card today i will just list some of the disruptions we are monitoring for our industries of course this is a human suffering event and the industries are second to society and its issues but this is an esg podcast so i gotta list what's going on labor shortages throughout the china region with uh, electronic manufacturing service providers suffering the most because they have a majority of their operations in china Food delivery and food safety is a big issue right now. So companies such as Yum! China and Starbucks have closed a lot of their stores. And companies in the retail and apparel industries globally, which are heavily dependent on suppliers in China, are in a bad way. And in a one-off event, for more than a week, the Diamond Princess cruise ship has been quarantined in the Japanese port of Yokohama and its 3,600 passenger and crew are stuck and there are now 218 cases of the coronavirus on board and that's having a huge effect on the cruise industry where everyone is kind of saying well i don't really want to take a cruise anytime soon but while this is a public health catastrophe and tragedy the question for us kind of remains how do we look at it as an esg analyst to me though it, it, it feels like the sudden rush of a flood caused by the climate crisis with one difference that companies can kind of tell if they're in a floodplain and they could even look out their windows to see where a water hazard might be and and should be accounted for while the coronavirus uh, is a shadow on the wall it's an unknown threat and so while this is a economic catastrophe a global catastrophe I still don't have the language for how to discuss this as an ESG analyst. And so I have with me C.U. Liu and Jillian Malad, two of my colleagues on the ESG research team to help me answer this question, and who also have been looking at this issue for us. Uh, And C.U., why don't we start out with you? How would you characterize a viral outbreak in ESG terms?
1: Yes, uh, I think a... Like exactly like you said, in similar cases with other public emergency, if we call it like that, um, it, companies' operations are being impacted, but but differently, right? Different industry has different exposure to to um, physical emergencies, and the you know the ones who have work from home policy, who have business continuity, are able to m- kind of minimize their uh, their daily operations because they, their workforce are more flexible. Yeah, but work-from-home
0: policies are actually hard to find because often companies don't disclose them, and many companies don't have policies that include pandemics, as, as you would assume. Uh, but that goes back to what I was asking myself over and over again before this recording, and the only thing I can come up with how this uh, coronavirus is a, an ESG topic as well as a disaster is that it's like the climate crisis, and it's like physical risk where everything is affected by it you know if a hurricane hits for example everything is shut down and with this coronavirus everything is shut down manufacturing companies can't operate people just kind of have to sit inside and await a resolution and what investors kind of just have to do i guess is map the assets they have in the area see which ones are most affected and move Uh, and actually jillian i know you did this you mapped all the company headquarters that we cover that are located in china and found to be expected that all companies were affected in one way or another. But you saw that there were some hit harder than others and, and some regions hit harder than others. For example, all the Starbucks that you saw were, were kind of shutting down. And and what's interesting is we found that the gaming industry, which is kind of headquarter-less in a way, is doing really well because a bunch of people are sitting inside and logging on. Uh, but when I looked at the map itself, when I came over and, and saw your computer, Jillian, It looked like the map you used to assess the physical risk caused by the Australian wildfires where you looked at the headquarters in Australia and the fire locations in Australia and see and saw what was being affected and and where they were being affected. Is that an equivalent to the coronavirus map?
2: Well, for wildfires, that's going to be a continuous problem in Australia. And that's going to continue throughout what's called considered wildfire season. But this is a short term exposure, or at least we hope it is. Um, at some point, the cases are going to start going down and there's going to be less exposure. But this isn't something we hope, at least that uh, the uh, the Chinese are going to have to deal with for more than a short period of time. I, I do like that, that angle because the thought that, you know, online gaming and Netflix, I don't know, yes. you know, or, or other other things like that where people are sitting at home and they have nothing better to do except for go online. Maybe they're streaming music, uh, watching their favorite TV shows, and they really uh, – they, really they can't go outside. So they're not going to go to retail stores and they're not spending money there. Um, they're not going to work. They're not getting their sandwich at lunch.
0: Yeah, will climate change, will the climate crisis create a digitization of the economy just because people won't be able to go outside as much? Or they won't want to go outside as much because there's like no more forests. But there is one industry that has a spotlight on them, the biopharmaceutical industry. And now Julia Jaguer joins me because she has a vast amount of knowledge on the healthcare and pharmaceutical industry. And Julia, uh, when you have an outbreak such as a novel coronavirus or the SARS outbreak, how does this change the operational calculus of companies that research infectious diseases?
1: So, number one, creating a vaccine and any type of medicine, it's, it's really, really hard. The problem is, is that it really, from a company perspective, it takes a really long time to develop medicine. By the time you actually develop it, the virus usually has already done its damage. I think this companies obviously face a dilemma, right? Are we going to invest in in resources and time and R&D to try and create a vaccine or a therapeutic? Is it even going to be needed by the time that we're done? But from from these types of um, new viruses, the healthcare sector obviously benefits. So, you know, more people are hospitalized, more diagnostics are needed to confirm disease. So from the healthcare perspective, investors are pretty happy. Um, and, you know, from maybe other industries like travel or airlines, obviously, you know, those, those are taking a Downward turn
0: but does does the market um, I guess support these type of companies and, and industries that study infectious diseases or, or no so
1: it's pretty well known there's much more money in chronic and rare diseases that's where really the larger players are focusing infectious diseases like coronavirus um, you know they just they just have a much smaller profit pool so i think from an esg perspective and just social value perspective ultimately over the long term um, you know this could certainly place larger pharma companies especially business models in question if they aren't developing solutions to solve rapidly evolving global global crises such as these
0: and are there some- companies that are currently developing those solutions.
1: So some of, the, some of the names in the news have been um, Novavax, Inovio. Um, these are just a couple of the names, but they're mostly all small microcap cap um, companies. And this is where the coronavirus is interesting because, as I mentioned earlier, you know the majority of the larger pharma players are reported not to be working on vaccines. And I think there's obviously some exceptions to that. Um, J&J and a handful of others might be working on um, some vaccines. And then there are companies that are also developing therapeutics or treatment options you know, seeing seeing if something can be a cure, um, and certainly several companies have stepped up to the plate. I think probably the most well known one right now is Gilead, um, which already has a drug on the market. Um, it's you know investigationally being sent to China, um, and then um, you know there's one more company, Abvi, that um, that also could could potentially be promising. So when you know really tragic situations like these happen. Um, there definitely is a clear social value component where there's really an opportunity for companies to step in and, and respond swiftly in providing either diagnostics or or, or solutions or even broader than healthcare, um, building, building hospitals that are needed.
0: Do you think that opportunity needs to be buoyed by governments where they see this sort of issue as with climate change, as with carbon emissions? And they need to step in and either control the market in a way or create a market for infectious diseases since it is obviously advantageous to society to do so.
1: Yeah, it, it, I mean, governments have already stepped up to the plate and and provided money donations. Companies are obviously providing donations as well, but the real thing is is collaborations and partnerships between academia, open transparency, you know, lobbying for open transparency and communications. Um, once you get into the patent scene, that can get pretty complicated, especially in the case of Gilead because um, they're they're running into some patent challenges with China. So I think, you know, from from an investor perspective, lobbying um, for, you know, transparent, um, transparent sharing of information, but also within reasonable bounds so that the companies that are doing something and that are taking on increased risks can also, you know, reap the benefits at some point, if not now, at some point in the future, because otherwise, you know, the whole, the whole market-based system, um, breaks down and, and there's no incentive for companies to actually invest. okay so Stephen
0: major the chair of the european securities and markets authority said the supervision of esg ratings was quote far from optimal unquote and he also said that companies can use esg to greenwash their operations Antagonism aside, Major does bring up a good point. What even is a green company? So to figure this out, I asked Olga Emilianova, who, among other things, examines companies' involvement in the UN Sustainable Development Goals, to give me her definition.
2: I think with a lot of emphasis right now on climate change and uh, carbon criteria, of course, one of the key parameters would be around the carbon intensity so uh, the criteria should be taken into consideration probably within the uh, realm of operations um industry approach is something that is quite questionable because i think the industry boundaries are becoming vague um but i think understanding the overall company footprint and taking into consideration both the upstream and downstream implications and the broader uh, operational footprint such as you know defined by the european commission as Uh, do-no-harm criteria or social safeguards uh, is certainly something that is quite relevant.
0: And that's it for the week. Thanks to CU, Jillian, Julia, and Olga for giving me their take on the news with an ESG twist. And a special thanks to all our colleagues in China that helped us prepare for these conversations we are having today. I hope everyone is staying safe out there. And thank you very much for listening. I always appreciate it. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to your podcasts because I appreciate it and I like to read them. And don't forget to subscribe. It's really helpful. Thanks again. Stay safe and have a good rest of the week.